You want to keep rolling, or do you got to check the ham? Do <laughs> <laughs> we get a ham check? Welcome to Retro Crew. Enjoy your voyage. Voyage. Welcome to Retro Groove. I'm Adam C. And I'm Liam D. And this is a podcast where we talk about music that stands the test of time, the albums and artists that have shaped and reshaped the sonic landscape, as well as covering new music from those artists. Today is a very, very special episode of Retro Groove. It is our first three player episode. We have very, very special guest Seth Sturgill on with us. How you doing, Seth? Hey, man. Dude, you got my last name right. That never happens. I, I'm so impressed. It's Who rare. Who doesn't get that it's, right? Oh, my gosh. It's it's so rare. People growing up, people are like, is it is it Sturgill? Is it Strudel? I don't know. You know Strudel? I got that constantly. <laughs> I, you're on a music podcast now. Sturgill Simpson is the man. Exactly. So that's, that's like there's that's no exactly way to it. not. Yeah, so you can credit it to him for me, at least. There you go. There, that's exactly <laughs> it, dude. I'm, I'm so happy to be here, guys. What an honor. Um, I, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to uh, to enjoy my voyage, you know, here on yes. Retro Groove. So yeah. I'm, I'm stoked, guys. I'm stoked. Sweet. It's all about the voyage. Well, for those that don't know, Seth is a major, major uh, friend of the podcast as well as the whole Retro Logic crew. Um, Seth is from the All N podcast um, and recently produced a a really impressive YouTube video um, called Jet Set Radio and Nintendo Missed Connections. And um, I, being a huge fan of the Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future games, um, we had kind of been throwing the idea around for quite a while, Liam and I, of doing a gaming music episode, and nothing ever really panned out. There wasn't really the moment for it. Um, We kind of let the the show take its own course and let kind of pop culture kind of move us rather than us trying to force something to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really, really glad that this happened. And I think your video is what kind of finally broke the ice on us um, doing this. So thank you for taking the time out. Um, What an awesome video, man. That must have been so much work. It was, yeah. It took a while. It, it took longer than it should have, honestly. It just, uh, there, there were a lot of moving parts to it. And um, for those who have seen the video, they know it required the input of like another person. So there was a lot of back and forth there. And yeah. um, it, it was so much fun, though. Like, I'm so passionate about that game and, you know, the, the music of that game I I connect with on, it's not an exaggeration, like literally like a spiritual level. That, that game's music speaks so oh, much I hear to you. Me. So, I, and we'll be getting into that. That's going to be the primary focus of our B side today. Um, but to break the ice um, on Retro Groove here, typically what we'll do is just kind of talk about what we've been listening to, what's been you know uh, playing on our car stereo or on our home stereo. 
uh, and any you know significant album purchases. So, uh, Seth, since you're our guest today, we'll start with you. What have you been listening to uh, recently? Yeah, so I I have a really eclectic music taste. So yes. it, it's really nice to be on this show because I I love music and yeah. I'm a like you, Adam, a hobbyist musician, and I've played oh. guitar for like 17 years. Yes, no way. Yeah, and I and I sing as well, and um, so I you know it, it's nice. I never really get to talk about that. Um, yeah. Everybody knows me as like the Nintendo guy, the podcast guy, but I, I love to sing and play guitar and stuff. And I'm a big musical awesome. theater nerd. You know, I, I love jazz and punk rock and hip hop, and I, I have a very eclectic uh, music taste. Um, love it. So I gotta ask. lately. Seth, wait, sure. so you were on a, I think it was Nintendo Dads or something recently, and made, uh, you mentioned that you'd been playing uh, the Tony Hawk remakes. Um, yeah, yeah. And and we we did a show on that at one point, talking about just some of yes. the music that was in those legendary games, but uh, you had mentioned that you used to be like a skater yourself, kind of, or you used to like mess around in that scene a little bit, and now I'm like, all right, well, Big you're a, you're a guitarist. You used to skate. What are we talking about here? Are we talking some punk stuff? Like what? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Right. So I, um, so I grew up in Chicago, and the punk scene nice. in Chicago is huge. Yeah, um, huge over there. So I, I mean, I grew up riding a skateboard, playing street hockey, and listening to like industrial punk rock music. You know, stuff like uh, Peg Boy and Eighty Eight Fingers Louie, and wow. Um, I, I was hardcore into that um, growing up and still am. You know, I still like to tap into that. I haven't ridden a skateboard in many, many years, but I was definitely <laughs> feeling that nostalgic place, you know. Yeah. And um, I was super into that, super into that scene. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of rough at our age, trust me. <laughs> yeah. You can still I, play I, the guitar, actually, though. Yeah. I do. Yes. I do still play the guitar as often as I can make time for it. I, I love to just, you know, chill out here in the office and, you know, hit the acoustic guitar. My, my singing voice is kind of suited for acoustic. So that's normally what I play because it's just suited better to my singing voice. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I have kind of like a more like a like a softer tone to my voice and you seem um, soulful. I feel like there's some, soul. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could see <laughs> that. Yeah. A Dang lot of it. people like I, I, um, uh, I, I get compared a lot to like, like an iron and wine kind of vibe, you yeah. know? Um, oh, nice. Not so. just the beard. Yeah. It, not just the beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have that going for me too, I guess, but no, I, I love to sing and play guitar and yeah, grew up in that kind of Chicago punk rock scene and you know, um, yeah, music's a huge, huge part of my life. And, uh, like I awesome. said, it's it's nice to get to come on here and talk about it. I, I hardly ever get to. Um, in terms of what I've been listening to lately, um, you guys know I never shut up about Porter Robinson's new album, Nurture. I never shut up nice. about it. It's I, I can't stop listening to it. It came out um, last year, and I I just haven't stopped listening to it. Like literally, I, I listen to it on a daily basis. Um, awesome. It's it's one of those albums, and and you know it's EDM, and EDM's not for everybody, but like. For, for me, that album, it's just one of those moments in time where you listen to it and you're like, that was one of the most impactful experiences I've ever had with art. You know? Wow. Wow. Just, just like, it blew me away, like, from, from the lyrics to the production, um, just a just a wonderful you know i connected with it so deeply as a creative person um i, I can't say enough good things about it that's like the main thing and then like 
everything else is just sort of like smatterings from, like I said, I'm really eclectic. Like I could be, you know, driving in the car, listening to like Duke Ellington at the same time as I'm listening to like Descendants or the Encanto soundtrack. You know what Uh, I mean? I'm very eclectic. (laughs) Are you, are you like sequencing that kind of stuff for yourself, Seth? Like, do you go into the car and you're like, I'm going to listen to Billie Holiday or are you just like (laughs) shuffle or like, like, how do you, how do you do that kind of stuff? Like what's your, what's your approach for that sort of thing? I, I get in the car and I'm like, what am I in the mood for? And I, I have like, I have like a million different playlists and, and I'm just like, you know, do I, do I go to the punk playlist or go to the Chicago punk playlist? Do I go to the, you know, do, do I go to the soulful kind of playlist? I, I have a million little playlists. I have playlists for specific moods. I have an autumn playlist, nice. you know, like just songs that make me feel like the fall season and stuff. Yeah. And I've got Seth's dopamine list, just songs that I can't, <laughs> I can't be sad when I listen to, you know, amazing. And, um, yeah, it just it varies, man. My, my taste is so eclectic. Yeah, That's yeah. Nice. I feel like if if you had an eclectic music taste, it was so much harder for many reasons before you had streaming services like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I still have a CD wallet in my car that I'll go to, and I, and I look, I'll patch in and I'll I'll stream stuff off of my phone just like everybody else but i still remember back in the day where like you sat down in your car and you were like what do i want to listen to and you had 20 options in your cd wallet or the 10 that were on your visor or whatever and you're like "Mm -hmm, (laughs) i guess it's fiona apple today like i (laughs) what am i gonna do (laughs) the visor that brings me back yeah those things are good old car visors yeah Yeah, man i i kind of miss those i kind of pine for those days sometimes but it's it's so nice to just be able to pull out the phone and listen to whatever i want you know what i mean so but yeah yeah, nothing nothing like set the only thing that's set in stone in my current musical diet is porter robinson everything else is just a you know a grab bag (laughs) um i've got uh before we go any further seth here i i'm gonna do this in tribute to you tonight I've got a oh a, no! I've got a bottle of Coca Cola oh Starlight. Gosh. It's it's oh, diet. Man. So throughout oh, the episode man. tonight, throughout the episode tonight, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this for you. All right. Okay. Let me let me get that. Oh, let terrible. me get that gut reaction. <laughs> How how's that going down for you there, Liam? So I I picked up the regular version. You and I were tweeting about it the other day. I picked mm-hmm. up the standard version. I don't drink regular soda. I only drink diet soda. But I was like, Same, I gotta get this. Yeah. Whatever. And it, I tasted it, and it's god awful. And then I saw the diet, the Coke Zero version of it today at the store, and I was like, "Well, this is this is just serendipitous that I'm going to be sitting with Seth tonight, and there's diet Coca Cola Starlight in the store." So it really is the worst. It, so, I cannot recommend it. It really is the worst. It's cotton so, candy. Yeah, it's cotton candy. Is that what it tastes awful. like? You yeah, get it's, notes co- it's of cotton, cotten candy. candy. I, yeah, have you, you know, ever had bubble I, yum cotton candy? Like the bu- like the actual what? like cotton candy what? flavored jelly beans or whatever. It's I, yeah, but I don't want to drink that. it. No, I, I've heard that, but then like I, I heard another one. I can't really pinpoint it. I did a tier list video on our YouTube channel recently, and I was drinking it throughout that video, just as kind of like a fun little you know YouTube content, whatever. <laughs> and um. And, and I'm drinking it, and I'm like, it, it literally, I can't, it, nothing else tastes exactly like this to me. Mm-hmm. It's like you poured a bunch of cinnamon in a cherry Coke Zero, mm. and, and like you ju- it, it's got like kind of a, a hint of like graham cracker. It's just gross. Oh, it's I'm going to look for the cinnamon. Hold on. I'm going to look for the cinnamon here. here. Mm. I, uh, yeah. yeah, it tastes like garbage. 
I can't do it. I can't do it, guy. I'm the, this podcast clearly not sponsored by Coca-Cola. So no, not sponsored by Coca-Cola. But maybe, maybe Adam, maybe when we have guests in the future, each time we have a guest on, we'll have them pick something that I need to eat that's just terrible. We can just do that. Yeah, you can there. do that. I'm, I'm good. Like. You're gonna pass. Yeah. Um, so for me and Adam, I'm very excited to share this with you. Although I don't know if you scrolled through our our prep doc or whatever, but I had. Uh, jaw-dropping moment at my record store this week because uh-huh. because my record of the year appeared at the record store. There it is! It's oh. Tyler, the Creators. Call me if you get lost. Now, here's the thing. So, Adam got me on Discogs, and I've been using Discogs, and I can't figure out what this is, Adam. Like, I don't know what, what it is. It's It was like... It was way too much money. I'm telling you that I spent <laughs> a lot of money on this, and I didn't even think twice. And I was in a gaming store this same day, and uh-huh. like was looking at copies of Buck Bumble and Rat Attack for Nintendo 64 because I kind of <laughs> want to pick them up. And I know yeah, I'm looking at price charting, and I'm like, this guy's asking 20 bucks over. Like I'm not buying ah. this, right? And then yeah. I go to the record store and I see this, and I'm like, I don't care what Discog says. I'm buying. I don't care this how thing. much it is. <laughs> Yep. So I don't yep. know what's wrong with my brain. Um, but yeah. Well, when it and, means something to you, the price doesn't matter. That's, that's what right. it comes down to. Yeah, that's to, what it is. You know what I mean? But the, I just like, spent Adam, like 70 no bucks on an NES game. Like, I can't we'll have find, to look it up. I looked it up on based on the code on the side of it, and it says it's like an unauthorized European thing. But like, mm, could be. It's got oh. the Columbia logo, but there's no barcode. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But I was like, it's the only copy they had, and I was like, yeah. I'm gonna have to My local calls that. those imports with the yeah. with the quotate the air quotes. Yeah, they're that's imports. Exactly right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But so, so I'm excited to have it because, uh, like, again, it was my favorite album of last year, and I'm like, I don't own it. Like, I don't have any yeah. tangible thing. I just keep streaming the thing. Um, it's, if it's your album of the year, it's I it's, gotta have it, it means somewhere. something to you. Exactly, yeah. exactly right. Um, have you been listening to anything else? Yeah. So I well. So I'm. I'll try not to bring Kanye up too much. I promise. It's all right. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I've been watching his documentary, the, like the three part documentary. I'm, I'm two of the three parts in. It's really good. Um, and it's that era of him leading up to college dropout and then into mm-hmm. late the second album. And the second album's just been my jam. So, like, watching everything that was going on behind the scenes with him and Jay-Z and Dame Dash at the time, and then, mm-hmm. like, going back and re-experiencing these albums as I experienced them when they just were actually released, is such. it's oh. like it's just like that new perspective of, oh, my God, now I've seen him in the studio with Jay-Z. I've seen him in the studio with Jamie Foxx. And... Right. That now I have the context behind what happened on that little snippet yeah. of a sample or something like How that. How cool so, is that? Yeah. So it's really cool. Um, I picked up Arlo Parks's Collapse in Sunbeams. I had yes. it on CD, but like I, I've just like fallen even more in love with this album. I know Adam, this one's like a personal fave of yours. That was too, my right? album of the year last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I picked up both of our albums of the year this past year. Nice. I didn't this past week. I didn't even realize that. But <laughs> awesome. I um it just I was listening in the car to it admittedly and I was like it's not my favorite album to listen to in the car. I like it a lot, but it was that same thing we've talked about before about like contextual listening yeah, and when exactly. things fit. And I'm like I bought this on CD because it was convenient and I wanted to listen in my car, but 
I kind of want to have it on around the house, you know, like yeah. this is, this is something that like I found myself throwing on my like Bluetooth speakers at home and I actually wanted it on my turntable. So, um, I snagged that. And then the and last like most thing of my favorite albums, it actually takes a while to like get into you. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. Mm-hmm. It's not very, it's not really a driving album. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an active listening album. And I don't know it, people are different. I can't do active listening albums in the car. Yeah. I really can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I get distracted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need to be in the right mood. And that mood is really, I mean, if I'm driving and I'm in that mood, I hope someone's checking on me maybe, yeah. but like, <laughs> but like I probably need to be home, uh, for, for right. like, so I'm like, yeah, I'll spring for us twice. I love this artist. I love this album. And it's one of those rare things where I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to get a second copy of it in a different Sweet. format because it, it fits better. Um, and then I don't know if we've ever talked about, like, I've, I haven't gone down too much of the rabbit hole of, like, the Long Island emo punk scene from the 2000s that I was immersed in. Um, Not too but much. Like, but, so there's, like, that Taking Back Sunday brand new era mm, of bands mm. that kind of came out, and Taking Back Sunday splintered at one point, and there was this uh, spinoff band called Straylight Run, um, who they sing songs about basically my hometown and like our highway and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they had they had some crossover success. They were pretty big. So anyway, they they every once in a while would get back together. They recorded a, a live concert at a theater uh, a few towns away from me and uh, and pressed that on vinyl. And so like as I was digging around, I I didn't even realize this thing came out and it's live at the Patchogue Theater. And I was like, okay, well. I could walk there half the time, you know, like, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, and then the last thing is my daughter has been jamming to BTS and like, it's, there it is. It's, <laughs> yep. it was bound to happen and I'm fine with it. Um, it's weird that it's because of a Samsung commercial, you know, like she oh, was weird. exposed yeah, okay. to it because like you can see them. I think it's in that like folding phone commercial or something like that. Um, but you can like see the band, like the band members appear or whatever. And she just wants to listen to butter like over and over <laughs> and over. Over and over again. And it's yeah. such a good song. So I'm fine with it. Um, I don't think that I'm going to take her to a BTS concert yet. Like, that seems very intense, but I am kind of itching <laughs> yeah. to, t- like, now that there's the live music thing happening, I'm kind of itching to, um, to like, take her to a concert. So we'll yeah. see. We got to see what's going to be out there. Um, they're gonna what, like what they're gonna like. It's only yeah. there's only so much we can do. That's right. That's <laughs> right. What little, about you? I had Adam? a little BTS oh. moment there. I had a little BTS moment. I can't. I can't lie. I mean, K-pop <laughs> is infectious, man. And we're gonna we're gonna have to talk J-pop on on side B because J-pop is yeah. at the core of yes. what we're talking about here. So, oh, yeah. Um, very much. Yeah, it's, so. it's all there. Uh, what do you got, Adam? Well, um, as as y'all know. I didn't necessarily go public with it or anything, but I spent the majority of this last week down for the count with COVID. So, uh, you know, as as careful as we were, you know, got two kids in public school with no mask mandates. It was just a a matter of when, not if. So, uh, so yeah, we were all, you know, just hunkered down for the week, which means I didn't get to the record store because I was trying to follow the CDC guidelines. So I didn't purchase anything, but finally my tricolor pressing of Lucifer on the sofa finally came in um, after it being delayed. Um, 
and it's beautiful and it's already going for like 90 plus dollars on discogs. So, oh man. <laughs> and it's like, it's like the most, so I'm glad I, and I wasn't going to get that pressing because mm-hmm. it was like 30, I think it was like 35. I can't, I bought it last year, pre-ordered it. So I don't even remember like how much I paid for it. <laughs> yeah. So Texas Trey kind of, um, sent the link out when, the it, it was like you had to follow a specific link. I can't remember. I think it was maybe like a Spotify subscriber mm, um, right, right, exclusive. Right. But like if you had the link, you could get to that page. So it wasn't like you couldn't go to the Spoon page or the Matador page and just find it. It was like a it was like a special subscriber type thing. But he sent the link out in the uh, retro groove discord. And I kind of mulled it over. I was like, well, like I, it's spoon. It's basically my favorite band in the universe. So I'm going to buy the album right. before I hear it. Cause I'm not typically big on pre-ordering albums, but I, I went back and forth on it. I wasn't going to do it. And then I was going to do it. Then I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it, but I went ahead and did it. So I'm glad I did because again, now it's like going for, upwards of 90 bucks on, on Discogs because it was like an exclusive kind of thing. Um, I'm not selling it, but I'm just happy that it turned out to be like the most valuable pressing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gorgeous <laughs> with the orange and the cream and the black. It's just a really, really, really beautiful looking piece of vinyl. Um, I feel like I'm other- like that with, with limited run games. There's like, yeah. like, I do the same thing with those like super rare or whatever they are, like limited physical printings where I sit there and I mull yep. it over and I'm like, uh, and sometimes I forget that I bought it and it shows up a few months later and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I yeah. yeah that's <laughs> surprise for me. It's like a Christmas surprise. present. Yeah. Yeah. I did my first limited run purchase this past week. So it felt Ooh. very strange to purchase a game that I might not see for six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, what so, was it? Uh, Other Side. Uh, oh, I don't a, know that one. It's like a dark horror slash uh tactical rpg okay um sounds cool. uh it's it's been out it's actually on the eShop, and it's been on the eShop for a while but um it's coming this is its first like physical release and it looks kind of right up my alley so mm-hmm. um hopefully that pans out well and it's limited run which means that if i don't like it or if it ends up you know uh, n- not working out for me. I can sell Flip it, it really for probably yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So most of my music listening completely revolves around like what's happening on the podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, I did a lot of rancid um, deep diving on you know mostly albums that I hadn't heard before, um, <laughs> thanks to um, Liam's amazing expose on uh, rancid Tim Armstrong and the whole East Bay sound on our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Liam. Yeah. Um, so then I get into like prep mode for the upcoming episode. So I, I, I've been listening to the Jet Set Radio Future soundtrack. Yes. Um, so, and, and it brought back, it's so amazing that, cause I used to play so much of that game, just like hours mm-hmm. and, but I haven't played it for like 20 years. So it's amazing to me that hearing a particular song will put me like right back in that environment. And like, I'm there, like I'm there in the sewers under Tokyoto or whatever, you know, it's just like, 
Um, and then also, so there, there were a few other um, artists on that soundtrack um, that I had already loved, but it, and so it just made me even more excited to hear those songs when they came through in the game. So I've been listening to a few of those, one of which is, and I'm going to hold the record up here. Unfortunately, our listeners can't see it. Chibomato. Oh, nice. Um, awesome. The song Birthday Cake, I believe, is yeah, the one man. that was on the soundtrack. Um, one of my favorite, um, uh, one of my favorite genre-defying groups. Uh, I wish they would do more music. I don't know what what they're up to now uh, individually, but I mean, Mio Hattori went on to you know be one of the members of the Gorillas. Right. Um, in addition to that, I've got another one here. You ready? Mm-hmm. BS 2000, which most people are like, what is that? Uh, well, same. B- <laughs> uh, so the song, the scrappy, which was kind of their hit, um, has the, the remix version is on the jet set radio future soundtrack. And, so good. um, it's, it's yeah. so good. This is, um, ad rock from the beastie boys. What? And yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, everyone should listen to this. It is the craziest music. It's it's amazing. So I mean, this this kind of stuff it goes like part and parcel with the Jet Set Radio Future soundtrack because it's like it's goofy but cool at the same time. And there's just like they've got like kind of weird samples and a drum machine and two weird keyboards, and it's just them like yelling and pseudo rapping over what they're doing with the drum machine and the two keyboards. It's amazing. And it's, I'm so happy that I own this. And, uh, it was something that me and my brother got super into, um, in the early, 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 probably 2000, 2001. Um, it's so much fun. So I've been listening to that and uh, a little bit of bis. There's a bis song. Bis is like a, um, really interesting. If you listen to them, you would think like, oh, this is like a J-pop group, but they're from Scotland. So Mm. (laughs) um, they're a really fun, um, you know, pop group that also kind of has that same vibe. It it makes sense to put them on the Jet Set Radio Future album. And I was a big fan of theirs, particularly their album Return to Central. And so I've been, I've been going back and listening to them. Um, and so this is, it's been a really fun going down that rabbit hole of, oh, like this soundtrack is amazing, but it brings back so many memories and threw me down these other um, <laughs> artists loop uh, rabbit holes. And uh, it's, so it's, it's been, and I've had a lot of time this week being <laughs> basically quarantined to go down those rabbit holes. So it's been fun. That, that's what I've been listening to. <laughs> wow. I was braced. I'm on Discogs now because that's what you do. Uh, what looking you do. at Simply Mortified. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's not like, as expensive as I thought. It's like 30 something bucks plus shipping because it looks like it's all from the UK. So if, yeah. I'm going to, I'll probably have to sit on this for a minute. But yeah, this is a, a UK <laughs> press. Is, I mean, listen it, to it first. Yeah, yeah. I'm the gonna, other I'm weird thing, to, yeah, go ahead. Is it's not on any streaming services. Yeah, that's another one of those, mm. right? Man, so I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah just, it's not. It's I don't. I guess it's not super rare. It's just one of those that like. Um, yeah, you could probably buy it on Discogs, but I actually found this at my local, which I was like, 
holy moly and it was only i think it was like 25 bucks wow but um it it it's it sounds funny but it means so much to me because me and my brother spent so much time with it at just one of those pivotal moments in your life and like dan would take tracks from it and use it for his crazy like robot videos and stuff like that (laughs) it's it's some of it's on youtube we'll have to drop the link in the discord but yeah it's uh it's a it's a really really fun listen. So particularly just, being from New York, I think you'll really like it. I just feel like I'm about to drink trash soda and buy weird <laughs> weird Beastie Boys spinoff LPs in the there middle of go. the night tonight. It, <laughs> like it is definitely <laughs> my favorite of all of the Beastie Boys spinoff yeah. projects. It's yeah. so much fun. Really really fun. Um, all right, let's, uh, do we want to get into, well, you said you got a little game. Do you want to, do you want to hit that or should we, you want to go through some of this new stuff? That'll be fun. Um, so I don't, (laughs) this is just for fun. I I don't know how well this is going to go over and we can do hints and stuff like that if we want. But so, um, I know we did the Tony Hawk music episode, but that Mm -hmm. was, you know, actual real world artists and their tracks yeah it was licensed in the video game right yeah. right so this is our first like video game music episode you know meaning music composed. that was composed specifically yeah. for the game and so i thought as a i was like what what's a good like marriage of those two and there seems to be a whole lot of hip hop artists that like to reference video games mm. in their yeah. songs so I've got a handful of um, lyrical snippets here for y'all and um, going from easy to, to hard mode. All right. And so I'm going to say the lyric and I'm going to try not to like give any hints away with like the flow. Not that I know how to flow or anything like that. (laughs) I'm excited for your flow. (laughs) Uh, I'm ready for it. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to read the lyric and then y'all can try to guess just the artist. You don't need to name the song or anything like that. Just give me the artist. So the first okay. one's probably pretty easy, but we'll start there. Okay. And here we go. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. Hmm. It's not ringing a bell. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. I mean, it's got to be older. Right, because a little bit, like uh, you're not you're not gonna have. Uh, well, I guess you could have a newer rapper citing Sega Genesis, but I'm gonna say we're talking like 2010 at the latest. Um, earlier than that, this is it. This is earlier a than that. East Coast rapper, probably one East of the Coast biggest. Rapper. One of the biggest. Oh, is it is it Biggie? <laughs> It's Biggie, Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> wow. Juicy. Super wow. Nintendo. Oh, that's in Sega Juicy. Genesis. That's right. It is in Juicy. Man. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. No points. We don't care about points that's here. Fine. We're just having fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hopefully you can get this one. Another East Coast artist. Ready? Mm-hmm. Behold the bold soldier. Control the globe slowly. Proceeds to blow. Swinging swords like Shinobi. Oh, that, I mean, that's Wu-Tang, yeah. That's Wu-Tang. Uh, but I think he says, swing swords. 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 Yeah, swing swords gonna... like Shinobi. <laughs> Love. I, I am a huge Wu-Tang fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those that, like, I try to, you know, not play 
too much that's kind of like not kid friendly when my kids are around right uh, but right. i will i will have some wu-tang playing because wu-tang is for the children you got to watch those odb and, <laughs> and ghost face verses though uh, yeah oh yeah it's selective but yeah so yeah good job on that one the wu-tang okay now we're getting a little bit harder um and we might ha- have to do hints but this one mm-hmm. goes i'm sorry like atari who's the cousin oh. to Calico. Vision caught a Rico back on the streets like Chico. Yeah. I mean, I know this one for sure. You know this one? Sorry, like Atari. That doesn't take a Lego. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, um, that, it's Outcast. I'm trying to think of the song. Yes. Though. You don't have to. You got I'm the trying, artist. But I want to. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> My Lord. Uh, it's off Aquemini for yes, sure. Yes, it is off Aquemini. Is, is, uh, uh, skew it on the Barbie. It is skew it on the come Barbie. on man, Dang. come on man, dude. The slam <laughs> sorry, like dunk. I'm sorry. The cousin took a leak Well, we did, we did that. Um, we did that Southern hip hop episode too. So I love Outcast. Yeah. All right, okay. So this one is hard mode, and I th- and I don't actually expect that y'all will get this. Liam's going to get but, it immediately, but ah, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's so good that I had yeah. to include it just. For that reason, and but I've got a I've got a good hint if y'all want a hint. So okay, rival schools, Batsu purchase you ought to. It came with one free CD. It's like I bought two. I hope they make part two for Dreamcast because games I seen in mags you won't believe they have. Yeah, I'll admit that PlayStation improved. Come visit feudal Japan with me and Tenchu. Bushido Blade 2 with swordplay so accurate. Mega Man Legends, but I had to buy a map for it. What? I mean, that's incredible. I'm going to I love guess, those lyrics. I, I feel like Method Man and RZA are the, like, are comic and video game nerds in that era, in that area. So I'm going to throw it into either of those. But That's a I, really good guess, but no. This is this is one that's got a really and you can kind of it's a very kind of unique kind of flow and that's kind of his signature. It's very like loosey goosey, but is it Doom? No, that's also a really good guess. Okay, hmm. this person Man. I'm gonna give it away, but this person uh, was prominent on the early uh, Gorillas releases dell the funky homo sapien yeah it was dell it's dell okay cool nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no other way that y'all would... i had to include that when i read that that's incredible read... <laughs> those, those <laughs> lyrics are amazing yeah what's it from adam do you know what's the song do you know uh, it's from a song called protoculture wow all right it's not from uh deltron 3030 it's from okay. another album that i'm not familiar with but i had to include it because it's so good <laughs> That's so now amazing. I've got when when you ask me what I've been listening to next episode, I'm sure we're going to talk about Dell. There it is. <laughs> because I'm I'm going to go down that rabbit hole now cuz that that's amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. Do you did you look this stuff up by like searching lyrics and then like Sega or like how did you find these or did you just know some of them off the top of your head? Well, I had so I had the idea and obviously I knew like the biggie one is the biggest off the top right. of my head. And then the Shinobi like popped into my head as well. And then I was like, well, I wonder if there's others. And then I just searched like video game references and rap songs and just like went through and saw, okay, which ones 
are might be possible to guess. And then I saw Outcast, and I was like, okay, Liam might get that one, but yeah. it's kind of a deep cut. But damn, you nailed that one. Well, Equimini, I love Equimini too. Um, it's <laughs> and then just- I saw that Dell one, and I was like, holy moly, I just want to say those words into a microphone. So yeah. I just picked that one. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it's funny because I definitely remember when there would be because hip-hop always has shout outs like that right they were that's like a part of that kind of culture and i'd be listening there's a a a album cut on um buster rhymes's uh when disaster strikes Mm -hmm. and it he he says something like uh i'm gonna play your ass out like a like a game on my sega genesis or something like that and Mm -hmm. i remember listening to that when i'm in like ninth grade and being like Oh man, maybe I'm cool. Like maybe like, <laughs> I play video games and I'm listening yep. to this. Like you and me, Busta. Like I'm I'm here with Come you, on. man. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> for, for me, it's easier to pick out video game music samples well, in in songs where they yeah. they'll sample pieces of video game music. I, I can pick that up pretty quickly. Um, there was a Lil Uzi Vert song of all things that sampled a Super Monkey Ball two track. Man. <laughs> and, uh, that that one Are was. I'm serious? a huge Monkey Ball fan. Yes, yes. That's amazing. Yeah, Liam referenced one this past week. There's a Mr. Mr. Bungle song with the what was it? RBI, RBI baseball. baseball. Yeah, like the victory scoreboard thing from RBI baseball. It's at yeah. the very end of the track. I, yeah. I listened to it. Um, really cool. Um, okay, so that was that was fun and went yeah. over a little bit a little bit better than I had anticipated. Yeah, that was great, man. Um, Thanks for doing that. I, I was yeah. happy to ride on Liam's coattails there. <laughs> I was happy to do that. Yeah, Liam. So Liam wins. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that juicy verse though. But I, you know, I'm not, I like Biggie. I'm not. I'm not super well versed, admittedly. So no, I, I don't expect yeah. you yeah. to know yeah. all the rap lyrics for everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got the Outcast one and even knew the the album and the song. So I was like, yeah. dang, that you've you redeemed yourself there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. So uh, let's go over some This Day in Music History and yeah. birthdays really quick. And sure. then we will flip it over and uh, just let let Seth loose. And well, uh, <laughs> I do want to, I have a question or two for you real yeah. quick, though. So uh, Texas Man, real quick, South by Southwest coming up. Mm-hmm. How you how you feeling? Like does town get crazy know. for you? Are you good? Like, see, okay, I'm not a big festival person. Mm-hmm. I like a more intimate. But then Southwest South by Southwest is a little bit different. Yeah, it's, it's it, not, well, it turns that city into a zoo. Like it, like you get like yeah. people get people get rowdy and crazy. Plus Beck's gonna be there, man. Like, it's, come on. He's, he's a keynote like me, speaker, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. People like me avoid like yeah. the <laughs> the downtown metro area during South by Southwest. It's just an absolute cluster. But usually, some friends that you know I barely get to see come into town. Um, it's it's great for the city economically. Um, it right. kind of it kind of puts us on the map, so that's good. Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't want to go anywhere near down the, the downtown area when, when South by is going on. Um, it's like, I'm so much more of an intimate venue kind of person. Like I don't like going to arena shows. I don't like going to festivals from, it's just too many people. 
Like, and I don't dislike people. I'll go to concerts. I love going to concerts, but like, Mm -hmm. give me like an amphitheater with like 3000 people or give me a club show with like a thousand or 1500 people. And I'm really, really happy. But like, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be viewing the artists that I came to see on a jumbo screen. You know what I mean? I want to be able to like see them up close and personal. So I typically avoid those kind of shows. Well, Um, and that thing, I mean, so it just takes over every little venue and restaurant and bar that is within like a yeah, square mile of downtown. So I just wonder, like, I don't I don't know how often you wind up going into that area to begin with, but like it just seems like a huge X on the map for two weeks of like I can't even drive through that area because everything no. is just a, a mess. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in Austin, you can't really drive through that through that area anyway. That's true. Yeah. But the the, the traffic is terrible. But yeah. Um, Pre COVID, uh, you know, there would be something, some reason for me to go go towards the downtown area um, at least once or twice a month, whether it was you know. Um, going to an Alamo Ritz showing of something crazy. Like mm-hmm. uh, one time we went to go see the Transformers movie that they had playing. Uh, not the new ones, like the animated one from like the early eighties. Oh, cool. I should add. Nice. Yeah, Cause, cause they'll show crazy stuff like that and it'll like only be at a specific Alamo location. Right. Um, or, you know, going to the Mohawk or Stubbs, you know, one of the, the iconic Austin venues. Um, Emo's isn't even downtown anymore. Right. So, um, I'll go there quite a bit. Um, but yeah, but I haven't really been down there. Like the closest I got was when Liam came to town last year and we yeah. went to go visit with him at radio in South Austin. That was pretty uh, South. Just yeah. for some so that that was like the first and only time that I've actually been down in that area um you know, since pre COVID. So Man. I'm still waiting for like the right show to come back to the the lot. And now that I've actually had COVID, I feel a little bit more like okay now, <laughs> ah. <laughs> sure, sure. Now I've already God. had it, so what's like? Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm so. with you though, dude. I uh, I like those kind of smaller, more intimate for venues. Sure. I I was just there um, for ACL last year. Um, what? Because uh, Porter, yeah, I was just down there for ACL last November. I met up with Dan and had coffee with Dan. And wait, ACL, um, not the festival. The the. That you went a, to the yeah, venue? Was, no, no, it was um well they were doing it at the uh the Moody Theater there. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Porter was was doing his uh his nurture tour as part of got that. Got it. Okay. So cool. had to got go it. for that. You know, I'm like, this is you know one of my favorite albums of all time, if not my favorite album of all time. I've got to right. see it live. And yeah. it was one of the most incredible shows I've ever been to. And um It's a great even, venue. I mean that I love that venue. Like it, the the way it was laid out was like perfect for me. Even and we didn't have great seats. I mean, we were up there in the, you know, in the nosebleeds. But it was still. I mean, you could you could see everything. The 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 way the sound was distributed. I mean, it was it was awesome, man. Yeah, Moody is awesome. amazing, and they they did set it up to where even if you have you know not great seats, it's yeah. it still feels like you're up close and personal to the artist. Yeah, and, and you're right. Like especially you know having been officially you know trained as a sound engineer 
that venue has the best sound of any live venue I've ever been to in my life. Mm. So uh, any show that you see at Moody is going to be amazing. So that was a good show to go to and worth the trip for you. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, you. Dude, it was yeah. so worth it. It was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Well, so South awesome. by is South by's, I mean, it was a big music festival or a, a music experience, I think in that town and it's more tech and film and, and stuff right. like that now. Yeah, it's a um, lot of different things. Used to be able to walk around and you'd see, you know, Prince played in like this tiny room and the Foo Fighters were going to play at, uh, on sixth street somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't really happen. Like I feel like Not I saw, really. I saw LL Cool J perform on a big bag of Doritos at one point, And I was like, <laughs> what is this? this? Doesn't make any sense. Like what's even happening? Um, so yeah, so it's, it is what it is. Uh, and then Seth, you play Wordle. Is that right? I feel like I've seen you post Wordle stuff. Oh, you did. Uh, yeah, you done? I, I did for a long time. My my wife and I fell off of it hard because we had. So, <laughs> I won't get on too deep of a tangent about this, but <laughs> oh, go ahead. my wife and I that was our daily ritual. Every day we would both do the Wordle at the same time, mm-hmm. and we would you know compare notes and how long did it take you and kind of what was your pathway to finding the word and everything. And then not long after the shift to New York Times, we ended up getting different words one day. What? And yes, that's, that's something possible? that is possible. It is possible. Um, some some kind of weird thing with after they shifted to the New York Times, some of the databases didn't transfer over right or something okay. like that. So we got different words, and that completely killed it. Yeah. Completely killed it. Like the second, it's it's one of those. I'm like. You know, I can have a hundred great meals at your restaurant, but when I have a really bad experience, like that's what kills it. It's for me. over. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that's oh, that's man. totally what it was. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I could totally see the communal aspect of it, though. Like once that magic's kind of broken, then yeah, it's my, not, it's my not wife the same thing like, anymore. <laughs> my wife was like, "Yeah, I guess a Roman. It wasn't that." I'm like, "Yes, it was." It was a Roma. That was the word. And she's like, no, it was Agora. I'm like, what in the world? Weird. Yeah, man. Um, well, I don't know if this is going to be up your alley because it apparently is hyper tethered to recent charts, like the top uh, top last 10 years. Um, but now okay. there's there's hurdle, um, like hearing, and sure. um, it plays you a little snippet of a song um and then you can keep adding on seconds and i think you can do it four or five times and get longer durations of the song um it is i wish it was a little more expansive but then again like if it was then you're really going all different genres but my wife and i have been doing that she throws it up on her phone it was a fleetwood mac song randomly which i i guess that trended at some point um but then it was a kanye song that i didn't know uh off of yeezus yesterday and i was like okay uh, maybe maybe this app doesn't work for us i don't know so <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a go and 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 we'll see um, that sounds fun it's neat and, and then yeah. the last thing i just wanted to mention was that band camp thing i know we posted that in the discord we yeah, were talking about it right um i mean it's really interesting obviously we've been talking on the video game side of things about all of the acquisitions and the mergers and stuff like that um this one i feel like is weird and we don't know what exactly it means but there has yeah, been a, a lot of one. music in Fortnite, right? Like those have been yeah. really big things. They had Ariana Grande and Travis Scott concerts in that uh, in that platform. Yeah. yeah, they and like 
that you've had bands that have done like online experiences. It's more of a thing. There's been a lot of talk from meta about doing like virtual concert type things and experiences like that. And so I can see where, especially with the way that TikTok is. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know if you guys use TikTok much. I I don't use it a ton. My wife does. Um, But like the way that that's impacted how music is exposed to people and the things that can trend have forced the like the the record labels and the industry to pivot because it's undeniable that all of a sudden something that that record label put out seven years ago is trending because someone went like this with their hands right, right. and the, and the, right. and turned it into a meme and now mm-hmm. and now it's the most streamed thing in their catalog. Um, so I feel like there could be something like that here that Epic is looking to dip its toe into. There's been talks about how Bandcamp wants to use it to I think kind of do something like you were talking about before Adam with that exclusive vinyl thing for Spotify like if you're playing Fortnite and uh and you hear a certain song like maybe you can get access to to that artist's merch or something like that like maybe there's a way to tether in that kind of stuff into the gameplay and then um it just it can boost then their internal numbers on the Bandcamp side. You know, I, I, there's a bunch of different possibilities. It doesn't seem to gel naturally in your head. I think both of them are going to try to figure out what this is. Um, but it it is, I don't feel like it's it stymies things as much as, uh, again, like those acquisitions that we're talking about with the game developers. Like, right. that feels like you're siloing. This feels like it could be an expansive platform or just like new engagement opportunities. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Have you guys done any of the Fortnite concerts? Cause I haven't, um, no, but I've watched yeah. the recaps and they're, they're pretty cool. Like I see people jumping around to Travis Scott, like a gigantic Travis Scott, like that's kind of neat. It's a neat idea. You know, I can definitely see how something like that would be, you know, fun and interesting for, you know, younger generations, um, obviously us old guys don't, don't want to go to a virtual, I mean, I, so I did a couple, I think I did one of the clutch ones and I did the Primus one where it was, you know, a virtual concert, but it was actually them playing with various camera angles and all that. Um, I, I, you know, it was fine. Um, it didn't, it certainly didn't replace the actual concert going experience for me. The, right. the only thing that I'm, and I'm not like the get off my lawn guy just yet. Like I'm really, really open to new technology and new experiences and things going in ways that I never could have imagined them going because the technology allows it to, to, um, my only issue, potential issue is that, you know, we kind of had this discussion, uh, recently on a recent episode, about how artists are treated and how for some mm-hmm. reason music in particular seems to be uniquely exploitable as an art form. And mm-hmm. Bandcamp was kind of or is at this point kind of the last bastion of fair treatment to the artist. It's a place where the artist can go and put their music up and Bandcamp takes like 
I I don't remember. I've sold things on Bandcamp myself. To maybe twenty. They take like twenty or thirty yeah. percent, and the artist gets the rest of it. And they have free Fridays where the artist gets a hundred percent. So it's like there's no other platform other than selling vinyl direct or other merch, physical merch directly to your fans via your own website or your own distribution that you that the artists are treated fairly and paid like what they should be paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bandcamp should get their 20 or 30% because they are providing the platform and they have costs that are involved there, but there is no other platform, at least not that I know of that artists can get that level of, uh, just monetary compensation for their art. Yeah. And, I worry that a company that is, you know, uh, not wholly owned, but I, if, if I'm my reef, my research was correct, at least partially owned by a huge conglomerate company, Tencent. Tencent, yeah. That right. worries yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it worries right. me that you know, th- slowly the artist cut is going to get smaller and smaller, and the free Friday thing is going to go away. And it's like, it ultimately, you know, them being bought out by a huge conglomerate like that, they're all about the bottom line and mm-hmm. who's going to suffer is the artist at the end of the day. So that's what really concerns me. Yeah. Um, which there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. They could just kind of leave it as it is. And like you said, use it as more of kind of a tie in thing. And, and I don't know, but, um, it does concern me quite a bit simply because it, it was, you know, to, to me, it's like, imagine the, the last just pristine, spring of water in the entire world and it's like basically mostly free for for everybody and they take a little bit of a cut but it's like okay there's one place i can go that i can get clean water and then it gets bought by nestle yeah that's what it right right. that's what this feels like to me but i could be wrong and maybe i'm just you know a little bit cynical but you know hopefully it's it's not as bad as i'm thinking it's going to be but uh, it, I don't think it bodes well. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Now, if if Porter Robinson does a concert in like a, you know, Abzu or Stardew Valley, or there's like some other like, <laughs> <laughs> I think we get Seth in then, right? Yeah. He's well. He's kind of done something like that. Um, with uh, he he did so when when COVID first really took off, he he had gotten into this habit of throwing his own music festivals in California called Second Sky. Okay, and he was cool. doing that for a few years. These kind of just like small scale, you know, not overblown, but like big for an independent EDM artist, you know. Yeah. And, um, he would feature like um, people like Jay Wolf and stuff, like these kind of smaller, kind of burgeoning EDM artists, kind of come in and um, and he he would uh, you know throw these these festivals. And um, he, when COVID first ramped up, he transitioned that into a digital space. So he created this digital version of Second Sky that ran in your browser, oh. and it was totally free. And you kind of had this little avatar, and you ran around like it was an, a little MMO or something. Really, really cool. and um, yeah, and and the concerts were performed with all of those you know artists inside your browser like that, and it was kind of neat. 
Wow. Um, wow. And, and innovative. And again, it was free. You know, you just logged in and, and you just, you know, chilled out. And it was kind of cool. You could chat with people and have little emotes and customize your little avatar and stuff. And uh, it was kind of neat. And, you, you know, I'm with you, Adam. I... I, I it's not at all like seeing the show live and having you know the sound hit you and it's you know yeah. it's not at all the same but um but it's but it's a neat little thing and and I, I embrace the digital stuff too as much as yeah. I as I can and um I agree with you too though I I don't think you're off base to be concerned about about the Bandcamp thing I'm a little bit you know I, I worry about the bottom line for the for the smaller artists and stuff and the people that you know are, are kind of like making um, getting a good deal a fair deal for a change off of Bandcamp and right. whatnot and I, I think it would be good for them to keep it as it is because then you are you still have that welcoming place and you draw in more artists yeah. you get more people on the platform and if you ruin that sure it's good for your bottom line but are you going to lose out in the long run uh, by making people go somewhere else and you know not having that safe haven for them anymore so we'll see man we'll see it looks like so did Anamanaguchi perform at this second sky thing i'm looking at the stuff they, right now i think they did once i think they performed at a at one of the live shows i don't think they uh, okay the, the not in the virtual show. one i was gonna say yeah. that, that that feels very meta to me to be watching a, ga- a, a band that <laughs> yeah. is predominantly based on video games performing within a video game like that would be pretty cool it was neat it, it was neat it was definitely like a cool little experience you just kind of pop in there for a week and introduce me to some new artists and you know, it was, it was really cool. He, he, he's good about that. He's good at working with, cause that's kind of how, how he came up. I mean, we could do a whole Porter Robin Robinson episode at some point if we, if we wanted to. I mean, I'd like I to get my, yeah, night. we do an expand, expand my mind <laughs> thing where we try to explain to each other stuff. I'd, I'd have my mind expanded on Porter yeah. for sure. Um, all right, let's hit some, you want to do some music history stuff here? Yeah, I got some fun little um, factoids for sure. this uh, day in music history, or this 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 weekend. Obviously, we record a little bit early, but on March eleventh, nineteen ninety six. I love these like weird little trivia factoids that I had no idea about. But uh, pulp singer and frontman Jarvis Cocker um, walked free from Kensington Police Station after police failed to charge him with any criminal activity following his quote-unquote stage invasion of Michael Jackson's performance at the Brit Awards in February of that year. I mean, that sounds amazing. I don't know what happened here, but that sounds incredible. Love that. What is this? I mean, like, I, I don't know when you guys think of stage invasions, I think of... Soy Bomb. I don't know if you remember Soy Bomb, but it was like Bob Dylan was performing on some mm-hmm. thing. I forget what he was performing on even, and some guy just comes out with his shirt off and it just says yeah. Soy Bomb written Soy across bomb. his chest. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. I do so remember, remember that. Yeah. Soy Bomb. And then it, there was the VMAs where uh, one of the guys from Rage, I can't remember, I think it was Tim Comerford, climbed up on uh on like the Statue of Liberty head and like just sat up yep. there like rocking it for half an hour and they just couldn't get him to come down. Um but I I'm gonna have to wa- I see a video of it, so I'm gonna have to watch this and see what it is. But uh good that he got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm sure knowing him it was just like a tongue in cheek, like just I'm just being being cheeky kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh sure. <laughs> but yeah, no charges were filed. 
Um, and March 12th, 1969, Paul McCartney married Linda Eastman, as we know. Uh, then later the same day, Paul went to Abbey Road Studios to go to work, being the, the workaholic that he is. But on the same day, George Harrison and wife Patty were arrested and charged with possession of 120 marijuana cigarettes. Whoa. <laughs> Wow. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sounds a, I mean, that's like a day and a half for George Harrison. So uh, right. <laughs> so, clearly no intent to distribute there. That's that's just Holy his boy. like weekend usage, I would assume. Also, Adam, anyway. hold on. <laughs> uh, hold on cuz I just I, he didn't just jump up on the stage. He mooned Michael Jackson. Dude. He did? He <laughs> mooned uh, He mooned the moonwalker. <laughs> And got away with it, apparently. He got up on stage. Dude, he got up on stage. He faced away from the crowd. He faced towards the crowd, mooned Michael Jackson, and then like did a wafting noise, a wafting motion behind his butt. And he said it was because he felt he was watching Michael Jackson do his Jesus act on stage, and he was feeling ill, and he thought it was distasteful. So he was like, well... If you're going to do just something distasteful, I'm going to show you what rubbish this is. And he jumped up and <laughs> Here's something distasteful, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. That makes it even more crazy that he wasn't, like, they couldn't even charge him with, like, public indecency. Right. Like, right. I mean, not that I would be, like, calling for that, but, like, that's, I mean, I mean, you get a little bit of a pass when you're famous, right? I guess, but learn something new. This is fantastic. Wow. Thank you for enlightening me on this. <laughs> well, I'm I'm shocked that like the the little like snippets that I was reading didn't include that minor detail of the story. <laughs> it's so good. My goodness. Um, and then uh, March 13th, 2006, uh, the Sex Pistols refused to attend their own induction into the U.S. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Blondie Herp Albert Herp Albert Herb Alpert. <laughs> And Black Sabbath were all inducted, but Sex Pistols posted a handwritten note on their website calling the institution, quote, urine in wine, adding, we're not your monkeys, we're not coming, you're not paying attention. (laughs) I mean, that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, this is rock and roll. This is, I mean, <laughs> look. What did you expect? It's so good. I. It's funny to have these two stories back to back. I I was just talking to someone the other day. I don't know if you caught, there was like a little side story. I mean, Queens of the Stone Age isn't that big of a band, you know, like the whatever. Um, I mean, Josh- they headlined pretty recently here uh ACL Fest, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, Josh Homme has been... Uh, having some like personal issues where yeah. he is splitting from his wife, and he got slapped with like a see, uh, uh, not a cease and desist, what a restraining order, because like he saw the guy who's dating his ex-wife in an Apple store in California, and like went up to him, grabbed him, and threatened to throw him off of a balcony, and like whoa, it's this yeah, whole t- it sounds like he has some anger management issues, you know, he's right. gotten some you know flack here and there for that kind of stuff, which right, yeah, he but shouldn't like, be doing. He shouldn't be doing it, but like the way that the article was written, it felt like everybody was very shocked about this. And I'm like, (laughs) 
he's a rock star. Like, I don't know if we're used to this, like, rock star attitude of these things. Like, this Jarvis Cocker thing today, he would have been charged. He would have been can- he would have been canceled. It would have been all this other stuff, right? Um, and and not that I'm um, opposed to holding people accountable when they do things that are inappropriate. I don't right. think that Josh Homme should be threatening anybody. But at the same time, I don't know if we should be super surprised that a dude who, like, has that kind of swagger and i mean like that's just what rock stars were like and you hold them yeah. accountable but don't be surprised by it you know like that's right. it's right. this is the the sex pistols are not going to show up to an award show and jarvis cocker is going to pull his pants down like what are you <laughs> gonna do <laughs> and paul mccartney's gonna smoke a bunch of pot oh no george harrison's gonna smoke. well they're they probably all gonna I'm smoke sure. this pot. yeah they absolutely well, i'm sure they yeah paul got arrested in japan i believe because he brought it over, something like that. I remember a story like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so obviously, obviously, we don't condone any, you know, misogynistic or or no. you know, uh, any kind of behavior that would harm anybody else. But there is kind of that whole. I guess. I guess now maybe it's more moved over to other genres but yeah there used that used to be what rock and roll and punk music meant is like i'm gonna do whatever the f i want to do and there's nothing you can do about it because i'm a person and i'm just gonna do it so you know obviously that has led to a lot of toxicity but you know it's like uh, there 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 were some harmless aspects of it that um i think we're missing yeah just just that kind of well they're it's, artists it, it's so rare right yeah. yeah the artist thing and and i think you see a little bit of it in hip-hop right now like i'm gonna do what i want mm-hmm. maybe a little bit in the pop sphere there there are certain artists that are like i'm just gonna do what i want to do and and you know obviously barring any uh, like I mentioned, anything that harms anybody else, there it's even like stuff like Kanye West releasing an album on a device that you can only get through him, like for two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like, all right. I mean, can I like? It's it's kind of crazy. It's weird, but like, can yeah. I blame him? It's Kanye West. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Not to you go know. on too much of a tangent, but like I feel like on the rock side, it's the work and and the reality of it or whatever has more so been on like mental health and right. kind of just like being an expressive person. I feel like when rock kind of pivoted, I mean, it look, it's gone all over the place, but when rock pivoted in the 90s to this kind of is aversion to glam and more towards certain types of sincerity. Again, not to sound super morbid here, but like when Chris Cannell or Chester Bennington died, right. like, and everybody is surprised, like you shouldn't be as surprised about that. Just like you shouldn't be surprised about Josh Homme getting into a fight, you know, like right. those, if you listen to Lincoln Park lyrics and you listen to Chris Cornell lyrics, like it's those guys stuff. were tackling with a lot of things that didn't just mm-hmm. come from nowhere. That's not an act. You know, these, well, are how do you get that stuff are, out? You yeah. get it out through your art. I mean, yeah. even people like Robin Williams, like yep. comedy, right. you know, typically comes from a dark place and you know, the, these artists are 
expressing themselves and we love them for the fact that they're expressing themselves. And, you know, when, when that comes out as negative energy, we're like, Oh, don't like that. You know what I mean? But Hang like, on, don't like that version. Yeah. yeah right. But these are people and they've, they've yeah. been given a pass kind of, and it's like, mm, you know, that's probably not good. People should be held accountable for their actions when they're, when they're not good. Uh, and I'm glad that we are, if not fully, we're coming into a place as a, as a civilization where we don't just laugh that stuff off and we hold people accountable now. But like artists need to be able to express themselves and maybe if we paid them better, they wouldn't need to There's lash that. out in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> not to bring it no, back around true. to that, but I just did. No, it's true. So. <laughs> it's totally true. Yeah. It's true. Well, and not only that, but I mean, like, not not only does the is the art completely, you know, representative of the artist who made it, but like that same eccentricity and, you know, neurosis or whatever is what they've built their career on, you know, like kind of, yeah, that's mm-hmm. why we love them, you yeah. know? So it's just like you said, like you have to kind of accept all of that, you know, you, you kind of have to accept the, the good with the bad. Yeah. You, you have know? to see, you know, that there's a place that it's coming from. Like there's, there's a, right. there's a source. I Not also think, it, but accept yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also yeah. think that Coca-Cola starlight comes, it is, it dude, how are from, you halfway through that bottle? <laughs> it you comes from more of it already than I could. It's <laughs> uni- I think it's unicorn pee. I think it cut the source of it is unicorn <laughs> pee. Liam. <laughs> I'm you gonna are make it more through. than. <laughs> oh my god! Doing it right, for Seth, guys. More power to you, dude. Look, I look. I have nothing but respect for how much of that you're able to hold down. Uh, let's <laughs> oh hit some birthdays god. before we flip it over here. Yeah, really quick. So March 11th, 1950. Happy birthday to Bobby McFerrin, American jazz vocalist and conductor, yeah. known. Uh, probably most famously for his number one single, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Who doesn't mm-hmm. know that song? Um, and how can you not, you know, be a little bit happier after listening to it? So thank yeah. you, Bobby. Appreciate it. Happy birthday. Um, March 11th, 1964, Vinnie Paul, a drummer and producer and co-founder of Pantera. Um, we're big fans of Pantera yeah. down here in Texas, of course. I think he passed just a few years ago. Obviously, Dimebag was killed yeah. in a crazy accident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, or incident, not an accident. But um, yeah, rest in peace, Vinny Paul. An You're attack the man. was what it yeah, was. Unfortunately, that's really what it was. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. they call these people fans. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, March eleventh, nineteen sixty-eight. Lisa Loeb. A U.S. singer-songwriter who had the 1994 number one hit Stay uh, from the film Reality Bites. She was the first artist to have a number one single without a recording contract. She was also the first artist that Adam ever had a crush on. (laughs) I actually didn't. And I'm very open about my celebrity crushes. And I, and who was I wasn't your first, one of them. Who was your first celebrity uh, musician crush? Adam? My first celebrity musician crush? Uh, it's got to be both of the lovely ladies from Veruca Salt. Oh, okay. Cool. That's almost a definite. And it was hard to, hard to pick if yeah. I was trying to pick one. But I was like, why? I mean, this... I'm never, 
I'm never going to meet either one of them anyway. So yeah. why why not both? I thought uh, Joan Gwen Jett Stefani. For me, man. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Joan Jett for me. Joan Jett was Big badass. Time. Like her and Pat Benatar. It's like, all right, you could probably kick oh, my yeah. butt. But, and that's cool. But I kind of like that. <laughs> that's how I felt. Shirley Manson was mine. And that was the same thing with her. I was like, this lady's going to beat me up. And that's <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like Gwen Stefani too. But like, yeah, there was oh, sure, something yeah. about Shirley Manson for me, man. It's oh, the scary sure, yeah. women thing. Like, that's right. I, a, uh, this has been well established real, on this on this podcast. Like, yeah. if, 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 I'm, if, if I get to choose, I'm, I'm choosing the scary one. I don't know if y'all have ever heard there. There's a really kind of obscure, like kind of nerdcore uh, rapper. His name's MC Paul Barman. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of Paul Barman. No, he's got a, um, he's, he's, I, I, I won't repeat the title of the song because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, uh, we try G-rated, to keep it family friendly. <laughs> yeah. It's not family friendly. So I won't repeat the title of the song, but he does have a, a, a song that includes the lyric. I would disarobe Lisa Loeb. So oh uh, there's, <laughs> there's Hilarious. that. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble. That's all, good. all right. <laughs> March 11th, 1969, uh, Rami Jaffe, who is uh, officially a Foo Fighter, keyboard player for the Foo Fighters, also with the Wallflowers, and did work with a, a number of artists over the years. Um, March 11th, 1979, Joel and Benji Madden, twin brothers uh, from uh, good, good Charlotte. Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, March 12th, 1948, James Taylor, American singer songwriter. Um, I'm not sure, but if there's any artist that comes anywhere close to the number of Spoon albums that I have, of which I have all of them, it's James Taylor. Really? I mean, the guy's an icon, and and he's one of those people who he's getting up there, and it's like, just someone just keep him safe, please. Yeah, exactly. Right. And put him in a bubble. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. They can all get together with, you know, Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan. Yeah. And some of whatever Paul McCartney snuck on the plane and they'll be, they'll be good. (laughs) March 12th, 1969, Graham Coxon, British guitarist and singer, primarily known uh, as the guitar player for Blur. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, some, some actually really great solo material solo stuff. Yeah. I've heard mm-hmm. some of the solo stuff is good. And last but not least, March 13th, 1960, happy birthday to Adam Clayton, British Irish musician with U2. As a member of U2, has received 22 Grammy Awards. It's bananas. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. 22. Yeah. It's pretty dang. Pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> Well, that's it for our side A. Um, we've got uh, a lot of ground to cover, and I'm sure Seth is going to lead the way here as we um, highlight the career of Hideki Nakanuma um, and his work primarily with uh, the Jet Set Radio series, Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future, um, which you may or may have not played, but uh, it'll be a fun ride either way. Yeah. So stick with us. We're going to flip it over and we'll see you on side B.
are back on side B of this 19th episode of Retro Groove. And we're going to hand the reins here over to our good friend Seth. And um, I'm super interested in hearing more about uh, the career and uh, history of Naganuma because um, that, that soundtrack, particularly for... Uh, both of the Jet Set Radio games affected me so much um, that I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about uh, a lot of the other work that he's done. So, um, and, and you coming off of doing the, the YouTube video on the, uh, you know, missed opportunity for, for uh, the Nintendo and Jet Set Radio connection to happen, um, are probably a lot more well-versed in this than anybody else than I can think of. So um, why don't you go ahead, Seth, and kind of get us started with um, what uh, what you know about his early days um, as a composer, a, a game music producer, and, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, just like you said, his music means a, a great deal to me, and I think that, um, I, I think that his music has such a particular like vibe and flavor to it and like something that you know really kind of resonated with me in a way that nothing else had before or really since and and yeah doing the video I did quite a bit of research from for him and his career and stuff but um not even really because it was pertinent so much to the video itself as much as like I I was I was when I was sitting down to make that video I wanted to make it Nintendo focused mm. because it was tying into my Nintendo channel and right. podcast and all right. that so I was like you know how in the world do I do I tie Jet Set Radio into Nintendo and I kind of found my pathway there but one of the angles I was going to take to it actually was um the the fact that he very clearly influenced the music of Splatoon yeah um and then I came to find you come to find out that that he had actually applied uh to do the music for Splatoon and, and applied several times to yeah. work at Nintendo and Nintendo wasn't interested in working with him crazy and, um, that surprises me a lot yeah he's he's a really really interesting guy um so he's like 50 I think he's 49 or 50 or something like that and he's been you know he's been making music basically his entire life I was watching this interview with him that he did on a, a Japanese talk show and he told this anecdote about how he had entered into a competition when he was in like third grade and it was at like oh, a wow. regional level where the grand prize he didn't end up winning but the grand prize was to like uh do like a guest composer spot on like a feature film or something like that oh wow um like big time stuff and you're talking about a third grader it's like dude i was like picking my nose and watching cartoons in third <laughs> grade you know what i mean right um so i mean obviously that kind of stuff like he, he told a story about when he was like eight years old he was messing around with like an electric organ and stuff and um mm-hmm. and, and you know you, you translate that into early adolescence or adulthood you know the the, the route that he went with which is a, a huge part of Japanese music culture is DJing and live mm-hmm. music. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the, the whole kind of club culture is, is huge in Japan. And I think that's um, so evident in his music because he's 
doing the typical DJ stuff so much. And we, we've already kind of touched on, um, you know, samples and stuff that he's taken and, um, yeah. and, and stuff that he does on like the production angle where, um, you know, he, he just takes things and just like chops them up a particular way, or he, he does things on the production side. He'll take a sample and like slow it down enough to make it yeah. sound like its own unique thing. Um, you know, he, he's got such a unique kind of artistic hand, um, but yeah, he, I think what struck me the most about when I was listening to the soundtrack mm-hmm. because and and you you do a good job of spelling it out in in the YouTube video, <clears throat> but the whole kind of core concept of Jet Set Radio Future is these the young generation kind mm-hmm. of coming up and bucking against the oppression of the higher ups or the older generation or whatever you right. want to call it. And what he kind of does throughout that, the original portions of that soundtrack is you can hear little like snippets of like old timey vocal or, or spoken word samples that sound really old. Right. And he takes that and cuts it up and turns it into something completely new and, and modern and fresh. And I thought that was so beautiful the way that that kind of correlated what was happening in you know the game itself so you're, you're right on the money with the whole sample thing because that that that's happening like all throughout that soundtrack yeah, and it seems like yeah. i mean that that era that these games are predominantly from is also that same era where you had chemical brothers and Fatboy slim and moby yep. like you had sample heavy progressive edm music coming out then and i feel like mm-hmm. his ear for some of the like bits and pieces that are woven throughout these songs is so crazy um i mean yeah. I, I am definitely someone who if someone around me says a phrase or a word a certain way, it'll just get stuck in my head on a loop. Like it just right. sounds good or whatever. And I feel like he must be that to the nth degree where it's just like, yeah. he <laughs> like there's a Richard Nixon sample up against like a two live crew or whatever it is. Like there's all these like classic <laughs> hip hop and, and like, like audio recording samples that he's just merged together to paint his own picture. And it's, exactly. it's, it's an incredible talent to, to have. Um, I saw I, I something. I don't even know. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I saw something. Um, I think I was, I was, it was the same interview that you were talking about. He was talking about how he was working at blue note um, in mm-hmm. Tokyo and like to be exposed to all that kinds of mu- kind of music. It, I mean, it makes so much sense that this would be the end result for a creative person like him, right? Like you're just getting that jazz, you're getting that funk, the bossa nova, and then you're you have the ability and the ear for uh, digital sampling, and it just the gates must open wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's so it's so wholly unique and and it it is such a singular talent to be able to hear like, you know, um, to be able to hear like hot, hot, hot by arrow or like Buster Poindexter's version. I don't remember which one he samples, but in Sonic (laughs) rush, he samples the hot, hot, hot. And just the way it's like, you can tell, 
you can tell that he heard that and he's like, I'm going to use that in a track one day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just like, I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. as somebody who has like, you know, played around with music throughout my whole life. I, I couldn't even fathom having that sort of ear to be able to do that. But you know, the, the extension of that is his music means so much to me and takes me to such, not only just a place in time, but you mentioned it earlier, Adam, like the, the place in the games, like, when uh-huh. Uh-huh. when I was making that video, literally as I was writing the script, I was like, this is the song that I'm going to play at this moment. Like I was hearing the soundtrack yeah. in my head as I was writing it because I just knew the like his voice is so clear that I just knew what part of his voice. I, it was almost like he was a second narrator on the video, like literally like wow. his his voice was coming through in my head through his music as I'm writing it. Wow. Not listening mm-hmm. to it. It's just in there, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's the so, mark of an artist. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's so impactful and, and you're right. It, it's, there's something, I, I love what you said earlier, Adam, about the, the use of like old, old school kind of samples. There's a song, uh, a track in the Jets of Radio Future soundtrack called oldies, but goodies. And it's like, it, it takes a lot of like old school sound samples and whatnot, but it, it, it's, I mean, it couldn't be, it's just funk and like hip hop and it's got like yeah. all this kind of like brassy stuff behind it. It's like so far removed from being something that is like old school, but it uses all this old school stuff to make something new and vibrant and fresh. His, yeah. his music feels like um, it has momentum to it, right? There's an energy right. that, um, you can't just apply it to anything. Um, I feel like you could probably find some film, some some movie stuff that would gel with that kind of energy as well. But it does seem wholly uh, well suited for certain types of video games. It makes sense that Sega yeah. Rally, um, that Ollie King game, and obviously Jet. I keep going to say Jet Grind because uh, that's like <laughs> sure. that's, that's the. I, I wasn't a Sega kid. Like I had a friend who had a Dreamcast, and we would go over, and he had Jet Grind radio, and he had Power Stone. Those are like yeah, the that two was games. the U.S. name. Of yeah, it. Mm-hmm. but was it? Yeah. Did, did it change to Jet Set Radio at some point? Uh, In the U.S., Jet Grind Radio was the name of the Dreamcast game, the first game. Yes. But uh, because there was some kind of copyright like problem there, Um, then the the sequel, Jet Set Radio Future, Mm -hmm. they they went with the Jet Jet, Set. So in in Japan, the first game was Jet Set Radio. In the U.S., it was Jet Grind Radio. Got it. Same thing with like the whole Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest things. Right, 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 right. Right. The early games, you know, it was Dragon Warrior, and then whatever the copyright issue was got resolved, and now it's Dragon Quest. Yeah. So in the same way, that first game was Jet Grind Radio in the U.S., but the second game is Jet Set Radio Future in both regions. Yeah. So. It's just interesting. I definitely remember going over to my friend Dan's house and playing this uh playing on his dreamcast and i was playing tony hawk 2 i guess it was on my n64 around the same mm-hmm. time and 
that had that licensed music that we were talking about, right? Like that was all yep. holy stuff. And, and we didn't know what most of that music was at the time, but it was a bunch of different voices and a bunch of different uh, styles that were woven together by uh, a music director who had kind of hand selected the bands and the genres that they wanted mm-hmm. to represent. And so to think that then I'm playing this stylistically different game um, and, uh, but still with that same energy, right. You're still, you're still jumping up staircases and grinding on stuff or whatever. Um, and to have one guy really be the mastermind that is like creating the art of that and embodying the spirit of that game. Um, super impressive. Um, I, again, on the momentum tip though. So I also not a Sega kid. But I played my fair share of Sonic games over the years, and I feel like yeah. Sonic Rush. Sonic Rush, I I owned, I played it, um, I liked it. It like as I think back to it, I don't think it was jarring enough to me at the time. But now when I went back and listened to the music there, like it was pretty different, and still is pretty different from anything else that has been in a Sonic game, right? Like I, there's. He Way definitely different. did something very different from what they did, um, and I think it worked really cool. I mean, there, like you said, hot, hot, hot stands out as like I can't yeah. even believe that that's in the game, um, right? <laughs> but we've gotten to the point now where uh, Sonic Forces the the song from Sonic Forces is sung by the lead singer of Hoobastank. You know, like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different place that we're in, um, right? So I I. I, I kind of, it would be nice to go back to that. I don't know. I, the Splatoon thing is crazy to me. I didn't realize that he, it makes, obviously, the influences there. I didn't realize he had tried to uh, work on that project. That's... Yeah. 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 Wow. So I, and I imagine that when, when you get into, you know, the video game composing scene and stuff, and by this time he had, you know, left Sega in an official capacity for, for quite some time. And I'm sure he heard that the project was kicking up and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the, again, the influence is, is really clear. And it's also just like the, the sort of like J pop, the, the underground indie rock scene in Japan. Um, there's a really good indie rock, uh, Japanese indie rock band that samples and plays on uh, both the, I believe it's on both the first and second Jet Set Radio game called Guitar Vader. And um, they're, they're super good. And like, it's got that, that kind of vibe in the Splatoon soundtrack and it makes perfect sense. And um, I don't know if, I don't know what the reservation was with, with working with him on this. I don't know if it's because of the Sega connection. Nintendo is a very, you know, famously conservative and traditional uh, company and, you know, they're famous competitors, you know, um, I don't know if that has something to do with it. Uh, I don't know if they were just kind of like uh, clashing creatively on the vision for the project or something, but he, he had said, and actually it was kind of funny because in response to my video, I think I kind of put him in like a, <laughs> like a bad place a little bit, like Uh-oh. sadly, cause he, so he had retweeted my video, which was super sweet. Yeah. Um, and, and really cool. It was, that was such a cool moment for me to know that he had even seen it at all. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was huge for me. I'm, I'm sit- I, I can't even tell you guys. I'm sitting there, you know, weeping at my desk. It's and, incredible. Um, it was an incredible moment for me. And and he was talking about though, like he had he had subtweeted like three other times, 
with clear like kind of resentment a little bit for Nintendo mm. and and kind of like you know like I like I tried you know and um, it just didn't work out so I you know uh, who who knows we'll we'll probably never know the full story there but he um he's he's a very open book and his influence is so clearly felt and um, one of the things I really love about him is how willing he is even though he isn't in. Uh, a he's not a consistent presence in video games. He is still so willing to work with like upcoming like independent studios who are making you know art that is influenced by his work. That's something that I get into a lot in the video. Is like the the indie scene is full of games that are influenced by Jet Set Radio and by his music specifically. And like they'll they'll reach out to him and he's like happy to work with them and he's so wow. supportive. You know, um, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, he's he's one of the composers on. Um, he did a track for that studio, Team Reptile's previous game, Lethal League. He did a track for that. Um, he, did, he did music for Hover, which is yeah, another Hover, video. Yeah. Uh, another, yeah, another game that I referenced in the video. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just like super willing to kind of do this collaborative, creative thing that I really appreciate for you know, a guy who's 50 years old and doesn't really work in the space anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Again, it, it, to me, it speaks of just the mark of a true artist, you know, an artist wants to, needs to create. Right. And, um, there's, there's nothing in my opinion, more satisfying for an artist than to be able to collaborate with other artists and create something that's greater than the sum of its parts. And so I feel like that's what he's after. And, you know, I, I, it's so funny with like bomb rush Cyberpunk. It's like, if you look at it, you would think, Oh, it's a sequel. You know what I mean? To jet set radio future. Totally. But it's it, Sega wants apparently nothing to do with that franchise anymore. So an independent studio has taken it upon themselves to continue that legacy and to see Naganuma partner with them is just so beautiful to me. It's like, uh, it's like, how can I even compare it? It's like, it's like if, if the Foo Fighters had broken up and some rando like me wanted to form a band and Dave Grohl was like, oh, well, yeah, sure. I'll be in your band. It's like, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's, that's what it seems like to me. It's something that in, intensely crazy. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool to see. And, and I can't wait for the game. It looks amazing. Or if you, if you decided um, to shoot a movie in your backyard with a bunch of like ragtag kids on an adventure, and then you just like tweeted at John Williams and he was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll write a piece of music yeah, for I'll you. Yeah, I'll do the soundtrack for that. <laughs> That's the cool. Song, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I got some friends at the London uh, Symphony you know, Orchestra. New York. <laughs> Boston Pops. Yeah. Make a few calls. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it seems like. It's yeah. like the same caliber to me. And it's so crazy that in, in the video game world that these these kinds of wild collaborations are possible. Yeah. I think that one thing to touch on here, too, is also um, it's a broader issue, but it's the actual accessibility of this music and um, mm. the fact that you know we're talking. And, and Seth, I'm hoping that we can do a few of these on different composers that like yeah. – you can't 
easily go and get their music anywhere. Um, you know, when you when you hear him talk about how he's creating these to take Adam's turn, these sonic landscapes or, or whatnot. He's, he's like, he's crafting this music. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what his contract is. He's hired by Sega. He was a right. Sega employee. Um, so Sega potentially owns the rights to the masters of all of that. You know, again, I don't know how all that stuff technically works, work? but like, he doesn't have control over putting his music out there then. This is stuff that he has made, and then we can't properly consume it. We can go on YouTube. That's basically our only option, unless there's some mm-hmm. rare vinyl pressing of some of this, or if we start to see things trickle out on Spotify. But, I mean, I, I admittedly didn't do a whole lot of poking around on the different uh, streaming platforms, but I don't think that there's a ton out there. I saw the Hover stuff that he did was... was was on a few, but um, yeah. it's a bummer. Yeah, so some of that stuff is is out there. You can find, and it's not complete, but you can find um, some of those tracks on Spotify. Um, Sega has gotten a little bit better at kind of slowly releasing some of that stuff and making it you know publicly available. But I, I think it's because Sega's at this place with the franchise in general where they're kind of like, well, that was in our past and we respect it and we love it, but we can't make those games anymore. Right. And that's, that's the, I touch on this in the video a little bit. Um, that's the vibe that you get from even the development staff is like, dude, like we're not 25 anymore, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the average age of the developers working on that game was 25 years old. And they're like, we right. can't make the same game we made when we were 25. Sure. You know? Yep. Um, so I, I think Sega's at this place where they're kind of like, we're, we're happy to let this have its place in our, in our company's history and whatnot, but we're going to let, you know, something like Bomber Cyberpunk do its thing. And we're not going to hound them too much about it because we're just happy to see it, you know, be its own thing. And I, I think that's, uh, that's the vibe with, with Hideki too. I think he's just, he, he just wants to facilitate it and support it mm-hmm. is the vibe that mm-hmm. I get in any way that he can. And, and if he can contribute to it, put his own stamp on it while still encouraging, you know, independent artists to make their art that's influenced by him. I think he's happy to, to facilitate that. And he's super active on like social media for yeah. better or for worse. He is, he's a top tier Twitter follow. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, <laughs> he's an interesting guy, but yeah. uh, he, he just, yeah, he, he, it just comes through in the art, man. Like he just seems really passionate to keep this kind of vibe alive, to keep this kind of message, you know, D- despite everything that's that's being like you know this this can't be out there he's like actually yes it can you know and let's let's make sure the radio's still turned up you know despite everything trying to turn it down yeah you know? yeah what's interesting too is that the whole like even the whole idea of an independent game studio that didn't really even exist 20 years ago right you know what i mean there was you know what was 20 years ago, PlayStation 2, Dreamcast, GameCube, Xbox. You didn't have independent game studios like you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, you have independent game studios creating games that turn out to be blockbusters. Yeah. You know, games like Hades right. and Celeste. And, you know, I'm sure we could list off 20 others. And, um, they they are now part of the landscape of gaming in general and 
I think that it 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 lends um, a lot of weight to the art and the artistry and the blood, sweat, and tears that go into creating these works of art. And I think that Naganuma is um, forward thinking enough to see that and not be like, oh, well, you know, I used to work for a, you know, tier one console creator. And, sure, yeah. you know, I, I worked for Sega, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm above working with these relatively unknown independent studios. Um, he's not like that. He he's forward thinking enough to say, okay, this is the future of gaming because as the you know the big, the large corporations become more <laughs> corporate and bigger sure. and more bloated. It seems like the understated independent studios are are getting a little bit more of the spotlight than they used to, or in some cases, a lot more of the spotlight. Um, so that's that's really cool to see, particularly with like you know Bomber Cyber Cyberfunk. Um, there there's there's a whole lot of potential there for like a, 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 an overarching brand new franchise that we've never seen before. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I think that there is the potential for um, a lot of people to um, just base their careers around, you know, if, if that turns out to be a hit independent game, you could have a vinyl release. Mm-hmm. You could have all kinds of stuff branching off of that. Um, you already see it with vinyl releases of independent game studio games. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting interesting to see this crossover of you know, games that never would have seen the light of day otherwise 10 to 20 years ago. And now there's a like a, a cult following behind it, and there's now like there's a vinyl release of the soundtrack, and there, it just all kind of ties together, and it's just, it's just such a, an interesting time, you know. <laughs> it's like the what a time to be alive to see this thing come up, and you know what's it going to turn into, you know? Are we going to see something like? Um, Maybe something not exactly like, but similar to like a Steam Deck, where you've got a, a platform for games to be created by these unknowns, by these independent studios that create this amazing stuff that otherwise wouldn't see the light of day. And how many artists are involved? You know, you've got you've got visual artists, you've got uh, per, you know, music producing artists it's it's just it's just mind-boggling i'm like geeking out on this big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well it you see it happening in the actual like the music industry itself where mm-hmm. you have artists that you know they've established themselves um and have migrated away from the majors and you had this mm-hmm. growth of indie labels and these indie kind of mini conglomerates that 
gave better deals to some of those artists that gave them more control than the majors did. And so maybe an artist like, uh, like Hideki can do this more freely now where he's not signing away the rights to his music to be controlled by a Sega or a Konami and that he can partner mm-hmm. up with, with a small indie studio and still retain uh, some kind of control over his compositions. Um, it -hmm. does kind of bode well, I think for better collaborative, uh, partnerships in, in gaming and in, in music and yeah, seeing this vinyl boom, uh, I mean, and that it's also available for streaming. So if you don't want to go buy your, your vinyl, uh, your soundtracks on vinyl that you can still access it in your car, um, it's really cool. I, I I I hope that more. I mean, we talk about Nintendo. We talk about a bunch of classic soundtracks that you just you can't find anywhere anymore. Um, that Pokemon release is pretty huge. Um, that yeah, they, you're yeah. starting to see things like that, um, and it would be great if it was the start of a bigger movement for some of those companies to to give us access to that content. What's, what's cool is we get to be fans of this medium and it's still so young yeah, and it's changing yeah. so much and so rapidly and we get to be fans of it on the ground floor of it, yeah. you know, so we, we get to experience this stuff in real time, which is awesome. But um, I, I think too that, I mean, look, Hideki makes music that is unlike anything else. And so mm-hmm. when people, when that art inspires other artists, it's like, well, and this is something that I came came to find just kind of like interacting with the Jet Set Radio community because to um, to promote my video, like I, I was on subreddits and you know mm-hmm. Twitter communities and discords and stuff talking to, to people who are passionate about this stuff. And like they're hungry for any of it because yeah. you can't get it anywhere else. <laughs> yep. You know, you can't get it anywhere else. And so for him to be on the ground floor of that, it is so young and it is so fresh and exciting. So for the guy who influenced it to be a part of the art that he influenced is it is it's beautiful and um and i i think it's really exciting to uh, to see all this stuff be carried forward and you know yeah we have things like splatoon but i i can't point to another thing that's even similar Mm-mm. musically in the video game space like literally no i mean you could i feel like when you see a game like rocket league i could hear his music going into a mm-hmm. game like that again there's that momentum there's a, a frenetic kind of nature to what he creates um you know i could see it in certain fortnite type shooter games or something like that right or an apex or something like i feel like there there's obvious influences in a lot of different games but i could see his his own compositions uh, and his own work going in that direction. Um, who knows? I, I, it, the crazy thing for me too is when I think about um, iconic songs or soundtracks or whatever, I mean, you guys are talking about how when you hear the music from these games, it takes you back. Right. And that's not, oh, yeah. that's not just unique to, to his music. That's, that's, 
uh, that can apply to a ton of games that you had personal experiences with, right? And right. when I think of certain, I hear certain sounds or whatever, and it'll rem- remind me of playing Blaster Master or Bucky O'Hare on the NES. And I go back and I look up to see who the composer is, and they worked on like. 10 or 12, they have 10 or 12 credits from the NES to the Super NES or whatever, and then gone. And I'm like, Seth, you said it like, where'd you go? We're at, but we're <laughs> at that early point. You were talking about those punk bands that you liked when you were growing up, right? And like, yeah. s- some of those guys probably work for State Farm Insurance now. You know, like, where are they? <laughs> right. Like, that's just because the industry wasn't there to support that, or, or people have their own life tangents yeah. or whatever they gotta but make like a living but like th- you lose talent they drop out of the scene because there isn't that sustaining option there and so hopefully what we're talking about here prevents that from happening and gives growth to certain areas because those songs in blaster master are bangers man and like where is that guy <laughs> yeah. i don't know what happened come back i think he's like a professor or something which is super cool but like how about I make some music? Like that'd be awesome. Um, so, so do we know what Hideki's up to now? Though, like uh, he's he's working with certain game studios, but like I'd love original compositions to be released or an album or something like that. Like I, it I don't. Is there a drip feed of just music that's not tethered to um, to uh, to video game releases because you do have to think and his samples are really smart and clever and manipulated but like sampling is also a slippery slope you know like when you start putting stuff out there that has a bunch of classic samples you got to worry about someone coming for you so i guess there's that side of it yeah so he he's um definitely interested in uh doing more original stuff and he does he actually so hideki's got a soundcloud um, oh. that he uploads some original compositions. Some of them are from uh, games that he's worked on, like Hover and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he um, he did a few remixes for like Persona 3, the, the dancing spinoff for Persona 3. Nice. Um, so he's got some of that stuff up on his personal SoundCloud, but he has expressed interest in doing a fully original you know, album completely removed from the world of video games because, again, outside of... He's not working for a Sega or a Nintendo or anything anymore outside of doing kind of independent work um, for support for these studios. um, He's not really in the game scene anymore. So I think I think he's interested in doing something like you were talking about, making kind of original compositions removed from all of that. So hopefully we'll see more of that in the future. It'd be awesome, man. And uh, like I it feels like we're just. Uh, we're going to see more and more of this uh, as time goes on. Like the, the games, I mean, we mentioned Celeste um, that like I'm buying these soundtracks now. I'm excited to be a part of that scene and to be invested in um, like, it feels like you're, uh, you're a part of it. It feels like you're engaged and, and can have, um, I guess, more of like a, a tangible relationship with this kind of stuff. It's not just like, uh, I, I don't, I like you would go see a movie growing up and then you'd be able to go and buy the soundtrack for it. Right. Like there was this whole sort of universe or multi textural experience when it came to a project that you liked. Um, 
And it's one thing to buy a game, but it's another thing to be able to have a game, have a backstory, have an understanding, have the actual soundtrack that you can engage with when you're not playing the game. Um, it 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 feels it feels like we're we're headed in the right direction with it for sure. Yeah, and and I think you know, and I think too that like, and and Adam was touching on this a little bit before the the way that video game the power that video game music has is is so experiential it's not the same as just like oh this is that theme that plays during this scene in that movie you know and and we get some of that with like you know nobuo imatsu the legendary composer for final fantasy is mm-hmm. you know famous and, and people point back to things like the the opera scene in final fantasy 6 or you know whatever is these kind of like stand out drilled in your head moments but like for me to you know to go back to what Adam said uh, at the start of the episode, like it's it for me it's stuff that's experiential within the game. Like when Isle Ten by Scapegoat Wax comes on, I'm like all of a sudden I'm in a very particular area in the game where mm-hmm. that plays more more often than than others. And you know humming the baseline, which is like the main thing of the GG's Garage, like that stuff puts me in that place and time. And they, they did a really cool thing with these games where um, certain tracks are prioritized in different areas. So you develop an innate musical association, the scrappy, you know, that track plays primarily in the sewer. So it makes you feel like you're in poison jams hideout, you know, and that stuff is so powerful and that's so unique to video games. Like that, that's, I love it when video games as an art form can express what is unique to them. That's something I can't get in a book or a movie, you know? Right. Because you are experiencing it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the difference. And, you know, I think, um, sometimes video games get kind of swept to the side as far as an art form goes. And I think that's completely backwards because, you know, everything that goes into making a movie, everything that goes into making a TV show, um, everything that goes into writing a book, it's all there, but there's so much more involved. And the difference is rather than you being a passive observer or a spectator in what's going on, it's placing you and they've proven this psychologically, your brain doesn't know the difference. Your brain, that's the reason why, you know, when you have, uh, when when you get to a a boss battle or you have a really, really intense like moment in a video game, your heart rate increases, uh, you start sweating, you know what I mean? Your brain doesn't know the difference. Your brain thinks you're there. And... I think that's very, very unique uh, as far as art forms and storytelling goes. There's no other uh, medium that puts you right there as far as your brain is concerned. Your brain thinks you're there because you are directly interacting with this world that's been created by a group of people. And uh, music is a huge part of that. And, you know, in the same way that a particular James Taylor song might put me right back in 1986 with my mom on the back porch eating watermelon, 
a, a particular Naganuma track puts you right back in the sewers, you know what I mean, <laughs> in, in Jet Set Radio Future. Your brain doesn't know the difference. It thinks you've actually been there. And that's amazing to me. Did you say that Scapegoat Wax's uh, Isle 10 is in this game? Isle 10. It is. Yeah. It is. So cool. I, I love I love that song so much. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's such a like iconic. Everybody who's played Jet Set Radio Future knows that song. Like it's it's an iconic song. And and it can, like the, the samples are are crazy. And it's almost like like the 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 links that he goes to with some of his samples, the production almost feels like a Weird Al song, mm. you know. Like it's <laughs> it's that level of like intense, like over the top, you know, at once goofy but also you know poppy. But then you've got a few of those like actual licensed tracks in there yeah. because it's not like an IL Ten remix; it's just straight up IL Ten. That's amazing. You know? right. That um, I had that and, and, album. That that was a Grand Royal. Uh, they were on Grand Royal, Adam. That was the Beastie Boys label we were just talking about before. Yep. That's crazy. Well away. Um, wow. Huh. I remember the music video for that song. It, that yes. man, I loved that song. And I, I one hit wonder song. too. But it's a great, great song. Yeah. It Let just me just fits take so this well. pause to mention that Liam has entirely finished oh, his bottle yeah. of ever yeah, good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Starlight. Yeah. The champion. <laughs> the champion. Which I think probably signals that we're wrapping up the podcast here because I have no more unicorn pee it to drink. It probably signals yeah. too that you're you're entitled to some compensation in the future, I think. Uh. <laughs> no. They'll, we'll see those infomercials just like how we saw, you know, you might be entitled to compensation. Yeah. Have you, you consumed know, if, two or more bottles of Coca-Cola yeah. Starlight in the past five years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to eat some weird Doritos or something next time. <laughs> so thoughts and prayers for Liam uh, after his consumption of this. I do my best. Um, <laughs> nuclear sludge <laughs> of a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever this is. Um, but Seth, man, wow. Thank you for coming on and... Um, just being a, being a part of the retro groove experience Thank and you. uh we we've had an absolute blast um i, I feel like we could like continue this for uh, i could be here all night you're gonna have to force hours. me to end this because otherwise i'm not going to like you're gonna have to kick me out <laughs> exactly that, that's how most of our episodes and i mean it's just you have to get to some semblance of mm-hmm. a stopping point um, but I really appreciate you coming on. And I feel like, um, I think we've kind of hinted at this too, as we've talked about this, but this is probably just kind of part one in a series of, um, game composer episodes that we want to explore. Yeah. Um, man. so I- I'm here for it. Um, uh, I think both Liam, oh, yeah. Liam and I are on the same page there. Uh, I'm happy about it. And it's just a beautiful crossover. Um, so I can't wait to see what the future holds for um, these these in-depth discussions. Um, but so thank you for being on with us. Appreciate your time so much and your your cont- contribution to the, the overarching narrative of what's going on right now in gaming. Uh, and thank you, listener, for listening to Retro Groove. 
We are part of the Retrologic Network. Check out the website, retrologic.games, for social links, merch, community, and more. We are also on Twitter, and we've recently been, you know, delving a lot more into that wonderful world of social media Mm -hmm. and silliness. Um, You can find us at retrologic underscore pod, and we'd be happy to interact with you and see what you think and take your suggestions for future uh, topics to discuss on our episodes. Um, and thank you, gentlemen, for being a part of it. Thank you. Y'all man. are great. No, thank, thank you. I mean, what a, what a treat. What a treat to come on and talk to me. I, I never get to do this. It, it was such a, such a blast. Well, we're definitely going to have you on again. Uh, yeah, so man. much fun. Such, such a kindred spirit. Um, this, this feels like the beginning of a long and fruitful friendship. Um, So appreciate everything. And we will see y'all next time on Retro Groove.